1: Welcome to another episode of Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm having a conversation with Tracy Reynolds. And we are honored, again, to have the General Superintendent of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church with us, uh, Doug Beecham, and, and Tracy, as we are having this conversation with Dr. Beecham, I'm thinking back uh, to when he was with us in Athens. Uh, he was with us for the, the last time that we interviewed him in our podcast um, and we, we had him here in person and afterwards, uh, Dr. Beecham and I left together. And then what happened next is an illustration of a lot of what I want us to focus on and talk about today. Because we already had a plan, we knew where we needed to go next. But uh, one of Dr. Beecham's dear friends, um, someone that I'm related to, um, lives right near here. Uh, and Dr. Beecham wanted to know how he was doing. And we could have just, you know, emailed him or left him a message, but we went to his house. And the experience we had uh, with our dear friend is a reminder to me of the type of leadership, the servant leadership, the the, the pastoral servant heart that Dr. Beecham has. Uh, it's not the title that I'm that Im- that impresses me; <laughs> it's the it's yeah. the heart. That he has that I've seen uh, because we went out of our way to go spend time with a friend. We laughed together, cried together, and prayed together uh, for the health issues that he was facing at that time and other issues. And Dr. Beachman, I just want to thank you for setting that example for many of us uh, as a leader of a movement, but as a servant of Jesus. So thank Amen. you. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you, Dr. Be
2: Thank you, Chris. I, um, I remember that uh, quite well. And uh, i tell you, one of the reasons I wanted to go by and see him, he, he was, he's several years older than you and me. And uh, uh, when I was a, a teenager growing up in the community where he grew up, uh, Franklin Streets, Georgia, uh, he was a really good athlete. Uh, I, was, uh, I was passable. Uh, <laughs> I, my goal in life was not to be chosen last. When guys were picking
0: the
2: team, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had enough uh, wisdom to know, don't, don't expect to be chosen first. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, uh, I remember he, he was such an encouragement to me. You talk about people that influenced your life and encouraged you and I've told him that I, I realized yeah. even in my twenties and in my early thirties, I realized you know, he he was a friend who knew how to encourage me. Mm-hmm. You know, other other friends my age, and rightfully so, they would they'd yell at me for missing the shot or, or you know, double dribbling or whatever I did, drooling on the court. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but he was always somebody who encouraged me. And I've never forgotten that. And uh, so it's one of the reasons I wanted to see him. You know, we think about the people in our lives who, who've really been influential people. Uh, and that cuts both ways. There are a number of people in my life that I've learned don't be that way. Mm-hmm. And, and those are important lessons, by the way. Yeah. And how to separate that from who they might be as individuals that God's at work in their life, too, just like me, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, just like he's at work in my life. And and to separate, Okay, this is they did this. So they said that in this particular situation and and it was inappropriate. It didn't resonate. And to to be able to have enough, uh, hopefully enough self-awareness to to realize when that thought comes in your mind, don't do that. Don't don't find yourself doing that in the future. Uh, but then there are other people that you want to you want to emulate in a positive way, mm-hmm. and uh, our friend uh, Chris uh, that we visited somebody like that. You guys are that way, and I uh, I was blessed to have, besides my own father, to have uh, pastors uh, that I got to work with when I was in my twenties, uh, who were a great influence to me, and. Uh, I think particularly Carl Campbell in Richmond, Virginia, who's with the Lord now. And he taught me how to be a pastor. He took mm-hmm. me with him. I was I was a full-time student in seminary uh, and, you know, getting paid $40 a week in the 1970s to be an associate pastor. <laughs> and But he took me almost every day. We went to hospitals or we'd meet at the church and the things he taught me. Uh, you know, Chris... Chris, you were in some of my when I taught at Emmanuel. You were in some of my pastoral classes mm-hmm. and things that I tried to share with you. All they weren't from me; they came from Carl Campbell. Mm-hmm. And to this day, when I do baby dedications and funerals, I'm Carl Campbell, and uh, you know I found my own voice in how to do it. But uh, the mentoring thing, and that never ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I became uh, well over a decade ago now, when I became the general superintendent of of this denomination, uh, I sought out uh, other uh, other Pentecostal denominational leaders uh, who had experience. And uh, I think of George Wood, the late yes. general superintendent of the, of the Assemblies of God, who became a dear, dear friend
1: mm-hmm. and a
2: great mentor to me. I could call him at any time and say, George, I'm facing this. <coughs> how, how, how do you handle stuff like that? So we always need people like that. Hmm. Um, I want to, I want to take a track on this a little bit. Uh, another dear friend who's had a big influence in my life for really over, uh, 40 years now, uh, is Jimmy B. Jim is a Pentecostal holiness missionary. He's, uh, pretty close to retirement, I think right now. But, uh, uh, Jim has a global experience mm-hmm. in Europe and in much of Asia. And he's a great disciple. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. He may be one of the best disciple-making people I've ever been around. Uh, he'd be great for y'all to talk to sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, Jim and I have been carrying on email conversations about ministry. And Jim raises, a, I think, a very legitimate point. Like one of the reasons maybe that so many pastors are frustrated is that we take it upon ourselves that we have to be the main speaker all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've missed what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4, that various spiritual gifts, uh, usually called four or fivefold ministry, are given to the body to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, uh, and, and I, I really, he's right. I, I don't argue with you. Uh, I think the challenge that most pastors face is uh, maybe their congregation say, we're paying you. You're the one who ought to be preaching every Sunday. Uh, or we feel like we're not earning our keep or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think one of the lessons I would try to do differently, if the Lord let me pastor again and know now you know what I know, I think I'd be inclined to say, okay I'm going to preach maybe twice a month mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to make sure that there are people who have a gift of an evangelist or the gift of uh, a prophetic ministry and that but the prophet's not a wild eyed person this is somebody who knows how to take the word of God and make it applicable in a powerful way mm-hmm. uh, and and uh even people, and this might be a little controversial to some of your listeners, but people who have an apostolic ministry—that is, a gift to be able to push us beyond our our normal frame of reference, uh, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I think it's important to recognize. Okay, this is where this is where my particular gift mix is at this time in my life, and and to have the courage and the strength. Of God's calling and God's purpose is to be able to say to the leadership of a congregation, uh, I want to make sure y'all get a well-rounded diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if I just feed you what I know, uh, you're going to be as warped as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I need and you need other voices so that, uh, and we talk about being full gospel churches, so that the full gospel, is mm-hmm. being spoken into the life of congregation, and I, I think pastors who figure out a way to do that—they mm-hmm. uh, number one—they feed their congregations a healthier diet, mm-hmm. but number two, they give themselves time to to be more intentional about uh, about two things. One is identifying people to mentor, mm-hmm. and if I if I don't have to be focused on it's Monday and Sunday's coming like a freight train down the track. If I don't have to be that way, but maybe half of the year, I can spend that week doing something different with people. And and the second thing that becomes important is that I can put, I can put a different kind of focus on, on what preaching is on. uh, and, And what I mean by that is that I can, I can be more intentional about stepping aside so that I've got, in the words of an old hymn, "Sweet Hour of Prayer." I've got, mm-hmm. I've got prayer and scripture together, mm-hmm. and uh, and number one, I'm, I'm praying and reading the Word for for God. What are you saying to me? But number two, okay, Lord, what are you saying to your people that you want me to be the voice? And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think uh, when I when I, I think about the pastors in our own movements and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for them, Chris, you're, you're one, you're a pastor. And, uh, uh, having gone through the COVID years and now coming out, uh, and, and the, uh, how to have the time that we need for the Holy spirit to do what he wants to do. So anyway, I throw those thoughts out there. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to to take a moment and make a comment about uh, a book that's coming out about 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 the time that this is being heard.
0: Please do. I've really had it
2: in my heart for a number of years and just never got down to writing it. I've got a series of books I want to write and hope nobody will steal the title from me. Uh, (laughs) You know, I know a lot of people who listen to this and they're totally untrustworthy.
0: I've got my pen poised. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And uh,
2: no, no, just great folks you guys have on. But I finally uh, last year I finally made myself write this book, and it's called "From." The primary theme that I want to carry onward is from text to sermon. Mm -hmm. The sub theme of this one is Advent to Epiphany. So this book. Uh, is is taking the uh, now text I've chosen. I didn't choose uh, liturgical uh, 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 texts, uh, for instance, that might would be used in a regular liturgical calendar. Uh, mm-hmm. For these books, I actually chose to study Isaiah in a particular way through this. Mm-hmm. But but each chapter is taking like the first Sunday of Advent. It's taking the text. Looking at the text, sort of exegeting it. Okay, what's this text saying to us? And then you break into another section called uh, the sermon, and which is a series of preaching points, ideas. I, I don't do outlines. I'm not real good with stuff like that. There are, there are there are other people who are really good at developing outlines and and are good at preaching them and doing it. I, I'm not good at that. Uh, but what I what I try to do is say, okay, this portion of scripture; these are themes that resonate to what the Word God is saying. That resonate to the gospel that you can develop from uh, occasionally an illustration from in, things like that. And and so each chapter there are there's an introductory chapter. And by the way, one of the things I emphasize in that is use a lectionary. You can get lectionaries online. Uh, with no difficulty, just, just Mm -hmm. a liturgical calendar. in, And, uh, I used to do that when I was pastoring. Uh, and, and again, part of the mistake I made when I was pastoring, I pastored for 12 years and probably preached 90%, 95% of the Sunday sermons. And in those days, it was Sunday morning and Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And I wish now I'd had enough common sense to have done what I advised earlier. Uh, but I, uh, this, this challenge I think most ministers face is, okay, what am I going to speak on next week? And we either look for some illustration or we look for something that's happened to us or we look at what's happened in the culture. And, and then we find a text somewhere, you know, for us to play with. And I'm guilty. I've done this on Saturday night. Uh, my wife used to say that even when I would prepare carefully in advance, uh, Saturday night, you're still focused towards Sunday morning. My wife, my wife still teases me about it when she knows I got to preach on Sunday morning and she's with me. She used to say the children, when they were young, "Leave Daddy alone; he's in his sermon hole."
1: <laughs>
2: and and I, I wouldn't yell at him; I just wasn't listening. I might be in the same room, but my mind's in that pulpit. <laughs> and and uh, and and I think to use a lectionary and to be able to get the time you need to think ahead, whether you use a lectionary or whether, like a lot of pastors, you. That I've read about, I, I think Tim Keller, for instance, uh, is someone I, uh, I think I've heard did this, would take a month or two months off. And would take that time, I'm going to plan my messages for the next year. And you know, certain things in the church calendar fall naturally, like Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, etc. And uh, and they would plan in advance, so they're always looking for illustrations, they're always looking at that text Way in advance, and I think sometimes for us as Pentecostals, it, it's really easy to fall into a sense of, <clears throat> uh, "Well, I got to get inspired," mm-hmm. uh, and and I got to feel the anointing on me about this particular text, and I, as if the anointing is something that is primarily an emotional state,
1: mm. right?
2: I I, yeah. I don't really buy on that.
1: I don't. Yeah, that. I, I,
2: and, and again, it's no offense because I I, I hear great preachers who preach that way, and uh, I, think, I mean, what, what I sense is the anointing is is the word of God coming forth. God, mm-hmm. I've taken time to hear what is God saying in this text mm-hmm. to me and to His people, and trusting the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, we do the best we can do. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to be a good preacher. Mm-hmm. You can use parallel translations to get an insight into into what this text saying. You can use good commentaries, but you got to have time. Yeah, true. And uh, and find other preachers to talk to. If you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on in the text, call somebody.
0: Mm,
2: and yeah. uh, anyway, that that book's coming out, and uh, 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 I hope it'll be a blessing to folks. The next step is the right one, uh, maybe in the next year or so, from text to sermon, from Lent to Easter. Oh. And then mm. I'd like to do a third one on uh, uh, Pentecost and uh, the Pentecost season. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> and that includes uh, <clears throat> when in the, in the period of the church year, preaching on the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tried to make it a point. I didn't do it every year, but some years when I was pastoring, I actually would work on a sermon about what does it mean that we believe in the triune God? Mm-hmm. How do you talk about the indescribable? But why is that important? And uh, one of the things that, that helped me with that is I, I read a quote from somebody. I don't remember who it is now, but they said uh, they said theology is not boring. Preachers are boring. <laughs> and and uh, so how to how how to be able to speak about the mysteries mm-hmm. uh, in such a way that that even a child can listen and say something at the end. What a mighty God we serve,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are those are my rambling thoughts about mm. preaching.
0: I I remember hearing uh, I think. It was Mitchell who started Young Life who, the quote was, it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, yeah, that's really, speak
2: that's really good. Well, and, uh, and that doesn't, for us as Pentecostals, and really for anybody, uh, most most Christian traditions, people believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and so it's not a question of, do we not believe the Holy Spirit's able to do something? We One has to go to the to prayer and to the study desk and then to, to the platform with really with a sense of Lord, this is yours. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I can't change these people's lives. I can't even change mine. Mm, that's right. Yeah. This, one this of the, is, this is you Lord. Yeah.
1: And one of the things that I love, uh, because now that I'm pastoring again, I'm, I'm using the, uh, the church calendar and knowing that I'm preaching from a text. Yeah. that so many other people are preaching from, Around the world, yep. and it's just in my mind, it's that mystery of unity. Uh, though distant, we're together, and a text yep. or a thing, I, and that's uh, that's so good. Uh, so, you know, Chris, uh,
2: I uh, run one last tag this past Advent season. Uh, for a number of years, I've done uh, short videos for mainly for our denomination on on, the, on Advent Sundays, the four Advent Sundays, and they've, they've been built around different themes and. Anybody can find them at IPHC.org backslash Advent. But the ones I did for Advent of 2022, I intentionally built around the liturgical calendar. Uh, I used, uh, and I'm trying to remember if it was, uh, for those of you who use it, you know, there's an an A cycle, an A year, a B year, a C year. And I can't remember off the top of my head if I use C or A. I don't remember but I, I intentionally read aloud all of the texts and then uh, shared about, I don't know, 13, 15 minutes of uh, comment about those. Uh, and all of them were, were based on what the liturgical texts were. were. That forced me to, to prayerfully look at texts I wouldn't normally look at. And look at them in relationship to other texts that I would not on my own necessarily see. Yeah, and and so I, I just think there's real value. Oh, that's healthy. Yeah, in doing that, and again at the end of the day, trusting the Holy Spirit, that's right, uh, for what He wants to be saying to me and to others.
1: Yeah. Well, we thank you for this time, Tracy. We love this, don't we?
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Doctor Beecham. Uh, we appreciate you as a friend and as a leader. And I love. Um, I I say this to your back, so I might as well say it to your face. I love your humility. I yes. I appreciate that you know who you are in Christ, and that that's a confident thing, but it's not an arrogant thing. It's a it's a very um, it's a privilege to be a part of an organization uh, led by a man that I trust and I love.
1: Mm. We appreciate very it. Thank you. grateful yeah. Absolutely. We will. And love uh, you guys. Okay. And you're helping us, helping us learn how to make our next steps
0: our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.